Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the JWB Redraft Ramp Up Weekend Super Bowl Redraft Perspective. I'm Scour, back here with Tim, as you guys have become accustomed to. We're starting today off part of a little two-part series where we're going to give you the wide receiver rooms. There's a little bit of a competition to monitor, and then we're going to follow it up with tomorrow's video, or maybe it comes out a little bit later today with the running back rooms and competitions to monitor. We're going to jump right into things. We're going to talk Baltimore. This is a team that signed Odell Beckham Jr. They spent a first-round pick on Zay Flowers, and they've had Rashawn Bateman, who has been, they spent a first-round pick on two years ago, and then he has been injured and banged up basically his entire career. But reportedly, is back in practice now. So we got three wide receivers who, at some point in their career, were all first-round picks, and we don't know what to do with it, but Tim, get us started here and and talk us through maybe based on ADP or who you think and where you think the volume is going to go. Who is the best bet here in Baltimore? I like betting on Zay Jones. He's ADP one hundred six, um, and some players around Zay him. Flowers. Like, Zay Flowers. I'm sorry. Yeah, Zay, I'm, we had a conversation about Zay Jones earlier. I'm going with <laughs> Zay Flowers. Um, and some players around him, like one hundred seven, Skadarius Tony, one hundred eight, Juju. 109 is Daniel Jones, and then Odell's 112. So in the area of the draft that we're looking, it's it's a player that has massive upside that most likely is not going to be in your lineup where you can kind of place him on the bench, wait wait and see. He doesn't impact your winning or losing when you first start out. And if he gets, he gets the targets that we're expecting or the volume that we're expecting as well as the ability to score touchdowns when he can break a play, we know what the upside is. You can put him in your lineup. For the other options, like Odell, like 112 and Bateman's at 123, I actually don't hate Bateman's ADP if you don't get Zay, but I'm definitely looking to target Zay more than those two guys. The depth chart has Bateman and Odell over Zay right now. So there is that opportunity where the, the other guys gain footing quickly and their roles are more substantial to begin with. As well as if we look at Bateman's production last year, there was a lot of opportunity early on where he actually had like two drop touchdowns in one game. I think it was against Miami, I want to say, where his first two games or two of the first three games of the season, he would have hit 17 plus in two of them. And he would be perceived much differently, even, even with the injury. Like coming back, there'd be a lot more hype, a lot more, well, I can't wait to see him again, things like that. And it was just that, Lamar was able to connect and the ball was deflected away on the other one. So they're just even two plays. I feel like changed the perception of Bateman greatly. And in, in a, what a 12 team league, you're getting them post round 10. And I think that's a pretty good value. If you don't get say. Yeah, I am in absolute lockstep. I agree with you hundred percent there because Zay flowers is a player that early on, I thought I was going to get a lot of, he was kind of going where Rashad Bateman is now, but as people have kind of caught up and looked into these rookies, at least the first round rookies, all of them have crept up a little bit. Jackson Jig was finally moved up appropriately. Quentin Johnson's moved up appropriately. And that includes Zay flowers. So with Zay flowers, I'm still into it if it falls correctly. But if you find yourself on a turn where you either reaching 1080p spots for Zay flowers, or you're probably not going to end up getting him, I'm not reaching. I'm not going out. I'm just going to wait and take Rashad Bateman. Cause like what you said a couple rounds later. And I think there's as just as much of a legitimate chance that Rashad Bateman is the number one on this team. I, uh, I think it's really hard to necessarily predict those two different players. I do have all three wide receivers of this room within 20 targets of each other in my projection. So I do, I do think that it's really tough to say right now and perhaps it separates in season. I just will make note that on cost, it's Bateman for me on uh, excitement level. It's going to be Zay Flowers. And if you do take Zay Flowers, please, please, please do not cut him before week eight. We always say with these rookie wide receivers, if you are drafting a rookie, do not do it just to be cool or to make yourself look smart in your group because people are like, oh, I don't even know that guy yet. 
you need to hold on and rookies very often do not break out until the second half of the season. The example I always use is 2019 before like week eight, Debo, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, none of them were like even top 36, top 48. And then the back half of the season, they were all like top 18. So it's just an important note there. But the one guy I will not draft off this team is Odell Beckham Jr. I just have no interest in it. I think it's his ADP being where it is. It's strictly based on name value recognition um, with, with, Odell Beckham, if you even just walk through how he has performed since he left the Giants, and this is before two ACLs, um, he hasn't had a season where his catch rate has been over 56%. And you might say, well, that's fine if you're a guy whose you know, yards per reception is like where Rashad Bateman's was last year at 19 yards per reception because he's sub 56% last year. No, Dell has been around... It's been slowly going down from around 14, 15 down to 13, 12. Last we saw him with the Rams, 11. Like he's just not a dynamic playmaker. And then he's not catching the ball effectively. Uh, his yards per target have gone down from, as a rookie, it was 10 yards per target. Uh, the last we saw him, it was 6.4 yards per target. And it is gradually gone down. If you look through his career, gradually gone down. So I just don't really see the excitement here with, um, Odo Beckham Jr. Other than this kind of the splash play, like I do think there is obviously games where he's going to go in and do some things that catch eyes. And that is impressive because at the end of the day, once upon a time, he was a world-class athlete and he was great at football. So I'm sure a player two will come out, but his efficiency has been horrific and he hasn't even been getting used the way I would want with someone who's inefficient. So I just don't see any situation with Odell Beckham Jr. where I'm going to go in and confidently be putting him into lineups and feel good about it. I, I really don't see the world. Let one of your idiot league mates go out there and take Otto Beckham Jr. I just don't see it happening this year. There's also value in the idea of when we're discussing Otto Beckham, I like, I still think that he can play football. I, I, I think that he showed a lot with the Rams. And I think that there was some explosion explosion with him this off season. But the, the, the issue that you have in redraft with Odell Beckham is if you take him, he's on your roster because even if he has a big game and you're trying to move him, his his trade value will never ever match the production if he has the production that he that if he reaches like those levels. So you're always going to be asking for more than what your your league mates are willing to pay. Or if he has a big game and you put him on the block, league mates are getting smarter where they're not so quick to jump at one or two week explosions of points because of the fact that they've been burned in the past due to you know even. Uh, who was the receiver for the Eagles that had like that six week run like two years ago? But oh, that uh, was, yeah. So like, those are the, those, those are the historical marks that people are going to be competing with for this guy. So the second that you, you draft Odell, you just got to know he's most likely on your roster until you cut him. It was Fulgham, right? Yes. Travis Fulgham. Travis Fulgham. Yeah. That's the name. And uh, yeah, hundred percent people, people have really spartaned up and, yeah, I don't want to get it twisted. I think it was probably a solid signing. They obviously have the cap cleared, and it's a one-year deal. They're not really locked in anything. Yes, it's a lot of money, but if they have it, I think he brings a lot to that locker room. Like Rashad Bateman, there's pictures with him with Odell Beckham prior to this year. Like He looks up to this player. Zay Flowers, a really exciting rookie, can learn a lot from Odell. He not just on-the-field stuff, but a lot of off-the-field stuff. Like Odell has been a big name. He's bigger than the NFL, one of the 
only players in the league. There's a very small handful of players in the league that are bigger than the NFL. There's a reason they brand the way they do. There's a reason market doesn't really matter. Small market versus big market like basketball. That doesn't really exist. It's just the NFL market. And a lot of times these players personality wise don't exceed the league. And Odell is one of those guys where like a Neymar, like people who don't even follow the sport recognize you go over in Europe. Like that's Odell. Just like here, you see Neymar at a basketball game. Like that's Neymar. Like, you might not like the sport, but he's he's openly recognized. So there's a lot of experience, I think, that comes with it and that he can help coach along, you know, a player like, say, Flowers. I do think there's a lot of value to him, and I still think he can make plays. We're strictly talking fantasy football here, and Odell Beckham's just not that guy. Correct. So, guys, we will move into the next group here. We're going to talk about Kansas City, a really interesting one. Not that it should be, but because people are always chasing kind of the wide receiver. What Who's going to be the wide receiver one for this team? Now, if you listen to us, you know the answer is it's Kelsey and then whoever is open because that's what Patrick always does. We always talk with you know Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers historically, Patrick Mahomes. We're always chasing who's that wide receiver, that second guy, that second option, I should say, as a receiver. And we pretty much never get anybody that really makes that difference. Now, if you had to come in and make a stab here, Tim, is there anyone from the wide receiver group in Kansas City that you think sticks out above the rest, whether talent, opportunity, or average draft position? In my notes, I put no one. But if I had to pick one, I would go with Rice. Because for me, Rice is at ADP 186. And something else that we should bring up, because we're going to discuss this a lot, ADPs are going to change. ADPs are going to be different per, per platform. So this is just based on fantasy data. So it could be different in your leagues. But this is just something to consider. Because if you're informed now about how the ADPs are performing, you may be able to adjust way better than your league mates on a player that's either ranked too high or too low, and you'll be able to get better values or take a different player because of the fact someone's going too high. But for me, I would probably say Rice because he's he's either basically undrafted based on his ADP or he's like the last pick. And with that, you obviously with, with rookies, we argue to not drop players. But if he's a last round pick, that's the time when I feel a little bit comfortable making that drop if I need to be able to churn the bottom of my roster because if he doesn't have a role immediately, um, I can go try to find someone that does or I can hold on him and, and, and choose to do that. But I don't feel as tied to a player like I would be with, say, Flowers picking him at 106. No, for me, I'm not really interested in any of these players as well as the fact that Patrick Mahomes' yards per target and yards per attempts goes down, has gone down like the last like three years because no Tyree kill, things like that, targeting Kelsey. So I don't really want to even argue the deep threat in this offense because I just don't think that that matters as much as it did even in years past. So like a guy like MVS doesn't carry any value for me. I don't think Tony is going to you know play that long and more is such a question mark. But at pick 124, I still think that's too early. So I don't want to have more either. Yeah, I think if like Sky Moore, I think I have him right now projected for the most targets on this team just because with the offseason, he was running with the first team second most next to MVS, Marcus Valdez Scantling. And I think maybe that that second year jump, he can maybe get up there, but I still don't think it's enough. I have him at right, basically right at 70 targets. And I don't know if I have MVS at 69, Tony at 59, Rice at 56, Richie James at 40. I have I just put on I, I always count other because there's names that won't come in at 33. Like I just think the targets gonna be so spread out with this wide receiver room that I agree with you. It's 
it's it's unlikely really to be any of them now the name we left off justin ross i'll touch him quick just because i know he's a favorite of the hopefuls um i don't have a problem with the player i loved him in college with through the injuries i just never really saw it it was always an uphill battle he did make the 53 man so that's good for him i'm always going to be rooting for him but he's not someone i'm particularly interested in drafting and if he does come out in week one and like he stands out i'll be more than happy to say that we missed on that one and i'll go in and i'll put my fab bets on him or maybe a waiver claim i'm very cool doing that but um in the drafts right now he doesn't particularly uh interest me there so we'll keep it moving because we were just talking one rookie wide receiver with zay flowers now let's go and talk quentin johnson and this very talented wide receiver room for the los angeles chargers Kellen Moore coming into town we're expecting the pace play to go up competitive division justin herbert mvp season being called by many um how do you feel about this room and does Anyone here feel overpriced, underpriced? Obviously, we got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Uh, how are you feeling about the Chargers offense this year, Tim? Honestly, I feel like Keenan and Mike Mike Williams are kind of underpriced. But I've in, in different discussions that we've had, I'm not foregoing Keenan to draft Mike Williams. But if I don't have the opportunity to draft Keenan, I don't hate going after Mike Williams if the table is set properly, meaning... Mike Williams is ADP 61 currently per fantasy data. So people around him are Drake London, Jerry Judy, Delvin Cook, Kyle Pitts, James Conner, De- uh, Dallas Goddard, Elvin Kamara, Tyler Lockett, and Rashad White. That's the next 10. So there are other players that you could work to pivot to if you wanted to, but I don't feel in any in basically any situation that Mike Williams is inadequately priced based on that ADP. But I much would much prefer Keenan. Keenan has just been basically automatic, like the last what, like four or five seasons, and so I feel really comfortable that that way. I think that the passing volumes go up as well, and I think QJ's um, also adequately ranked at one one fifteen ADP as well. So I think that you're you're no matter what you're probably getting a Chargers wide receiver at a good cost. It's just then we're going to have to determine who gets the volume and the quantity. Because currently QJ is wide receiver four on the depth chart behind Palmer, which I don't know if that's going to stay very long to be that way. But, you know, it, there could be things that QJ really doesn't have polished yet or the, the coaching staff doesn't have faith in putting him out there in certain situations. And that could really impact his his fantasy impact. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Palmer, this team at the time, I feel like they overdrafted him where they took him. But He's come out. He's not been the most efficient player. He has been the most impressive, but he has played a lot, and they do feel pretty comfortable, and they like him there uh, in Los Angeles. They're they're posting about the guy. He will be involved, right, whether it's the Mm -hmm. third or the fourth option. I'm not going to act like Palmer doesn't exist. I'm not interested in him for fantasy, but I do have Quentin Johnson projected as the three, and I'm super bullish in this offense. Even Quentin Johnson is the third option. I still have him getting 75 targets, and as a deep threat, that could equate to very easily six to 800 yards, depending on exactly how he's used, and And there's excitement there because Mike Williams' track record with injuries isn't the best. We all know this. It's no secret. Keenan Allen, you know, had soft tissue issues last year, kind of the first time his career and hitting 30. That could concern a lot of people. So I do see a world where one or both those guys do what happened last year and it becomes a more open room. And Quentin Johnson, if he steps in, that could be huge. So for Quentin Johnson, it's not necessarily just about the raw projection, even though I do kind of like for a rookie how his projections came out. It's not a fantasy impact player unless some things happen above him, but 
I think the the high ceiling potentials really is there with Quentin Johnson in this offense. And so even though the projection might not be there, that's where I think we're not necessarily drafting off projections, right? When I go in and I submit for accuracy, I'm probably going to have Quentin Johnson a little bit lower. But when I'm in my own drafts and I'm attacking the board, I think there's a very little chance that I take a player like an Alan Lazard or something before I take Quentin Johnson. I saw that a lot last year with managers. They were taking Alan Lazard. They were taking Alan Lazard before they were taking um, – players like Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave just because of the projected volume in Green Bay as the wide receiver one. And I don't want people to make that mistake again this year. I think Alan Lazard is a fine player. I think there's going to be his finish could be a wide receiver three or wide receiver four, which starts in a lot of your leagues, but a Quentin Johnson could legitimately end up winning a league being a guy who's a set and forget if things fall right. If not, I don't think it's the end of the world because you're taking the guy in the 90s. You're taking him very far down the way in your draft. So I think it's much, uh, very much worth the risk. But and the like, the cost to uh, to trade for Alan Lazard is always going to be way cheaper than it would be to trade for QJ, even if they were the same ADP a week after the draft because of the type true. of player they are and the upside that they have, where you can always trade for that, that level of production that Alan Lazard gives you, but you cannot trade for the ceiling that QJ gives you. And likewise, a guy you can project the volume if he's healthy. I think Mike Williams is extremely underrated in drafts. There's every year you look at the FFPC, like NFC, like these high stake leagues. You look at the ADP, even on underdog to an extent. Mike Williams is always 5, 10, 15 wide receivers above where he is on Yahoo, ESPN, sleeper. And I think it's just because we have this mentality of Mike Williams as well. It's a guy who always gets hurt. Um, we don't really know what the usage is. He's kind of boom bust, and he really isn't a boom bust guy. Like when Thank he you. gets the vol, when he gets the volume, he can he can either get it on a big play or you know he's peppered through with the volume. He can always get it. He's always got a touchdown. He's had a thousand yard seasons before. He's had double digit touchdown seasons, and he's had both at the same time. I think Mike Williams, especially if this offense gets even faster, if he is healthy, he could be a wide receiver too with big spike weeks. And right now, you can get him as a wide receiver three in a lot of leagues and put him in your flex or as your wide receiver three. I love that for a ceiling. So I'm, I'm, I'm there with you on Keenan. I do like Keenan. I've taken a good bit of Keenan. I think he's a very, very safe, especially in PPR pick, especially with the, with this offense. I like the way he finished last season. I like Keenan Allen. I have him as a, a top 16 wide receiver for this upcoming season. But if I don't end up with Keenan, because maybe I'm on a turn, which just doesn't work that way. I'm putting a circle around Mike Williams. I love where he's going in drafts. I think he's a really exciting pick. We always talk about, when you hit kind of that range where you can kind of grab that third wide receiver, we love these guys who who can give you those those big, big weeks. And again, I'm not saying it's a boom or bust with Mike Williams. I think he often has more form than that, but that ceiling is still there. And that's what I like with, I don't love Christian Watson, but like if he falls into the wide receiver three territory in drafts, I'm all about it. I think it's a fine ceiling pick. I think that if the volume's right with this team, the four might not be as bad as, as we think. And then the spike weeks are going to be fantastic. You know, I mean, that was the argument for Gabe Davis last year when he was going at wide receiver 20. Hated it. Well, Adam, what are we doing here? He's in the top 20 points last year. He was going wide receiver 15. I think that's absurd. But when people were getting him as the fourth guy in their team, I'm like, hey, it's worth it. Like he could have some big weeks when you put him in your lineup. Now, I don't necessarily love Gabe Davis. I think he's fine. His cost this year. I'm not like propping him up. I'm just using examples of player. We like these guys who can go get a big play as later options. I don't love them as my wide receiver one or my wide receiver two, but when they could be the third or fourth guy in my lineup, I love it. And I think Mike Williams, 
offers more than just that boom. And that's why I really, really like him where he's going. So that's kind of my guy uh, with the Chargers here. If I had to, based on just costs, it's Keenan over Mike. But based on what you can get from their costs, I really like Mike Williams. We we sit basically on the same same plateau here. But I wanted to ask you a question because you did the research. What is the bust rate or what is the number of games mm-hmm. on average that top wide receivers busts? Because I want to dispel the rumor. I, I didn't know I was this big of a fan of Mike Williams until I really did a lot of the research this offseason where like I don't really like him for Dynasty because I just think his price is really weird. Like it's just it's weird. But um, I'm pulling up his uh, game log of last year. Yeah, I, I can just he... answer your I can just answer your question. Right. So for 2022, there was only five wide receivers who busted less than 25% of the time. So I think people have this mentality in their head that, well, the top wide receivers don't miss games. So like Devontae Adams last year was so boom busty. Devon, Devontae Adams busted 31% of the time last year, and that was top 10 at the wide receiver position. And by bust, I'm talking guys who finished outside the top 36 on a points-per-game basis for that week. So last year in half PPR, that line for me was 9.7. So if you scored under 9.7, I said you busted for the week over 9.7. I say that you succeeded that week. You were a worthwhile uh, start for your team. So with, with Mike Williams, he busted 45% of the time. That's fine. And in a points per game basis, when you take out, I, I call it my adjusted points per game because I take out where you play less than 25% of the snaps because I don't think that truly tells a story. Mike Williams, he did have a game where he went out early with an injury. We removed that from the sample size. It's still healthy enough. It's not like, oh, well, you yeah, can't say two. that, but you can't project that. He did have two. I'm just saying I at least took out those games. Yeah. He finished as the wide receiver 15 in points per game and only busted 45% of the time. Now, you might say that's every other game. But that's that's what you get with the wide receiver position. I mean, that's that there's only like 20 guys, 20, 20, 20, 24 guys who busted less than that. So, I mean, that's still a top 24 metric. So, yeah, he is in the boom bust, as you think. He had two games where he played. He played 37 percent and nine percent. So if you take if you just remove those due to injury, I understand that we're not actually able to do that just for the course of this discussion. He only had three other games in which he scored under 10. One of them was 8.7 and the other two were three. So in my mind, it's really only, I understand that we probably played him and he got hurt. That, that's a completely different case. But in the games he actually completed, I only see only two games he really didn't put up points. Where yeah, eight's not great, but you could do a lot worse than eight when the other games he's giving you 20. Completely agree. So I think those are good targets and that's a good place to end on the first part of this one, guys. Come back. There is going to be a part two for these wide receiver rooms to keep an eye on. You can find all things JDB at JDB underscore FF. Go in our Discord. Link is at the top of the description and get talking and post your drafts. Maybe you want help. Everyone there is really good with all that stuff. Clips kind of at the top. You want to go see our player take on anybody. You'll find them in there. We have a video there for you guys. So we will catch you for part two soon. 